Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We have a holiday slate of games coming up. Realistically, not going to go too crazy into the numbers because, frankly, it's a holiday and, you know, it's always a crapshoot on Thanksgiving. I don't care what anyone says. There's just a couple of stances that I'm just going to take. We'll see how it rolls out. If it implodes as spectacularly as... Nico Collins over Tank Dell. We'll see how it goes. But I promise you, Nico Collins is probably going to outscore Tank Dell this week, uh, fantasy-wise. And it's going to tilt the hell out of me because of what happened at King of the Beach. But, you know, say uh, say what you will. It is it is what it is. Uh, variants will happen in sports. They're both getting red zone looks. It's what I keep telling myself. But... Yeah, without much further ado, let's uh, let's talk about this uh, Thanksgiving slate because we have the Packers traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Uh, the Packers were fortunate to win last week, mainly because the Chargers are incompetent at winning close games. Uh, Detroit, seven and a half point favorites over Green Bay. As they should be. Detroit uh, escaped with a win against Chicago. I expect should, uh, Detroit to come out of this game ready to play early. And not have the Packers jump on them the way the Bears did. Uh, Detroit was very careless with the ball. Jared Goff was incredibly sloppy. I, I just, I have to believe Detroit will take care of business here. The only issue I have with this game is I don't really love the Detroit pieces in terms of costs. Uh, Jared Goff, 6300 Brock Purdy's $200 less against a weak Seattle secondary that he can pepper with targets. So I don't love the play there. Um, you know, there's Jordan Love at 5500 but the Packers have struggled mightily on offense. Uh, I just... You know, outside of Jaden Reed, I don't really love a ton of these plays. Uh, Aaron Jones is out, so you got A.J. Dillon, but I don't know if anyone notices, but A.J. Dillon is dust. So I, I just don't like uh, the Packers' run game. Uh, you, If you want to get crazy for Millimaker formats, because we do have a Millimaker on DraftKings, you could go the Patrick Taylor route at 4,200. Um, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. I just don't necessarily love it. Um, but you know, Detroit is not exactly stellar run defense wise. So could Patrick Taylor run in a touchdown and you get optimal at 4,200 with someone who scores a touchdown and get you 10. It's possible. It's definitely possible on three game slate that if you hit the nuts on the stud players, uh, so you get a monster game from CD, you get a monster game from uh, Christian McCaffrey, and then you get like uh, a touchdown from a guy like Patrick Taylor. 
yeah, it's doable. Uh, issue with the Lions side of the equation is uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs is 6,800. David Montgomery is 6,300. I don't know which guy's going to get uh, the true run goal line-wise because uh, Dan Campbell keeps saying he wants to give it to Gibbs, yet we keep seeing David Montgomery get all the prime carries in the red zone. Because of Gibbs' talent, I think I'm playing Gibbs. The thing that scares the hell out of me is that I can see everyone going on Gibbs and David Montgomery being lower owned than he should be because realistically, both these guys should be around 30% ownership. The problem is, I feel as though people are going to build one way and it's going to heavily slant towards Gibbs and then Montgomery's going to go off. But I don't want to commit to Montgomery because Gibbs could just as easily go off and, you know, I have all these shares of Montgomery that are just burnt with, uh, uh, if I go over uh, 40% ownership and I get overweight on both running backs. Because that's the thing. It, it, it's not a... Detroit's not really an onslaught type of team that where I would feel comfortable playing both running backs. And I've done the double uh, dual running back builds in the past um, for Thanksgiving because it's such a condensed slate. But... I don't really love it in this game format just because I think the Packers are vulnerable in the air. They're vulnerable in the ground. You got to hit the touchdown scripts perfectly to do a double running back build where one guy gets all the carries early and scores touchdowns, and then the other guy comes in uh, as a sub and gets a score. So it's more than likely in that scenario you need Montgomery to go off first and then they bring in Gibbs. Um, but they could just as easily play Craig Reynolds if they get up too big. It, it, it's just, to me, it's just a little too messy on the line side of the equation. Um, not, I'm not enamored with it. Um, from a passing game standpoint, Amara St. Brown is 8500 I don't love it because CeeDee Lamb's only $200 more at 8700 And that could be an excellent play. Uh in terms of the 49ers receivers, you got Brandon Ayuk at 7K and Debo Samuel at 5,900. I, I think, again, with Seattle secondary, those plays probably interest me more than Amon Ra at 8,500. Like, I just think the Lions have so many ways of punishing teams. Uh, I would rather be go cheaper and go with tight end with Sam Porter at 5,200 than Amon Ra at 8,500. That makes sense. Even though I think Amaral's a great play, there's just the Packers secondary is not good. As long as the Lions just take care of business, there's good. There's too many passing options uh, to consider to feel great about a three game slate because you got to get the touchdown uh, lottery correct. And I'd rather have the condensed route tree, if you will, for the uh, for some of these other matchups than we're seeing out of Detroit. The pricing for Detroit is just a little too rich, in my opinion. All right. Um, moving on, we got Dallas and Washington. Uh, listen, this is going to be a slaughter. The only question is, how long can the Commanders hang around in this game? And do we believe that Sam Howell is going to be productive enough in the catch-up role to make 
any Commander's piece is relevant. That is the problem. Uh, Dak Prescott should be the highest owned QB in the slate at 6,800. It makes a ton of sense. Washington secondary is incredibly weak. Uh, you know, Cowboys defense should uh, cause turnovers, uh, early punts. You know, there's just so many ways for Dallas to keep getting the ball back. And it's Thanksgiving. You know the Cowboys love to stat pad for Dak. Um, it makes Jerry happy. It gets Dak his uh, Pro Bowl uh campaign underway this is the game they usually use for the stat padding purposes so uh, to be perfectly honest Dak even though he's the highest on QB I have no problems playing Dak uh, at all just because of the fact that uh, he's going to have over 30% ownership and it probably should be closer to 50 it's just a reality situation Um, they're going to keep feeding Dak and C.D. Lamb's ownership is going to be close to 50, which is why Dak's ownership should be close to 50. To me, I don't get splitting Lamb at that price tag on his own, necessarily, with Dak. To me, unless you... And again, I may... I may shoot myself in the foot by putting this rule in, but... uh, you know, I keep looking at these Purdy numbers, and maybe I'm, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. But uh, I think more often than not, you should be, for a Thanksgiving slate, you should be trying to pair CD and Dak together, even if it is uh, incredibly chalky. Because I, I think the field's getting really sharp in terms of trying to correlate. So they're, they're going to correlate. Um, if they don't have CD, they're going to correlate with a commander's piece. And I think this game has a very real onslaught potential where you don't need any commander species and you just play the Cowboys. Because you could just play Dak with CD Lamb uh, at 8700 And then Brandon Cooks at 4500 He's been coming on lately. And Dak's been featuring him in the offense. You know, that stack is not that unmanageable. Uh, you know... Jake Ferguson's at 3,900. There are different ways you can stack the Cowboys. Now, the guy I feel more adamant about taking a stand on is Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's 6,700, and with his ownership being in the 40s likely as well, I don't think you need to play Tony Pollard with Dak. I would rather play Rico Dowell at 4,600 and hope that this game blows out and have Dowell as part of my Dak stacks than play Pollard. I feel Pollard is the chalk play that has the most likely chance of busting just because we've seen Pollard not get there multiple times this year as the lead back. Not that I doubt Pollard's talent. It's just for whatever reason, the Cowboys have not been on the same page in in order to get Pollard into optimal positions to score touchdowns. It is what it is. I can try to force feed it and put him in again, but numbers wise, it just seems as though Dak and CD are better placed than Pollard. And then I can say with, uh, with uh, Rico Dowell, because I think Rico Dowell gets in the end zone as well. Now, the uh, question on the run back here is going to be, do you play Brian Robinson Jr. at 5,900? And you definitely can, because 
Uh, Washington should be behind. There should be plenty of dump-offs. He catches the ball. Uh, I don't love him as a runner. I love him more as a pass-catching back. And that's what Washington uses him as with Howell, as the pass-catching back. Um, the question is, if Gibbs, Antonio Gibson is active, uh, Gibson probably eats into some of the pass-catching work. I still think it's mostly Robinson, but if Antonio Gibson isn't ruled out, it makes uh, Robinson a far more risky play because he may only get five or six targets in the passing game, and I don't think he can get there with just that limited amount of targets. I think he needs more um, because of the fact that you should see big scores on the Cowboys' side. Um with the price tag on Robson being near 6K, you need him to get into the end zone um, to pay off a value there if you're going to take down any tournament. So, um, yeah, uh, give me the Cowboys. Minus 10.5. It could be minus 14.5. To me, it doesn't really matter. I, it, it's just going to be the Cowboys all day. Um, I think it's relatively straightforward in that regard. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and I'll come back with my thoughts on San Fran and Seattle, so uh, stick around, folks. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. We have the 49ers traveling to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Uh, 49ers, six and a half point favorites. I mean, I don't like this game. Uh, I, I think this is more of a straightforward game for uh, the 49ers just to kind of take control and do whatever they want with Seattle. I, you know. I think this is the most straightforward of the games uh, today. I think Seattle tries to make a game of it. 49ers just take over in the second half. Seattle has no way of stopping the 49ers short uh, short passing game. Um, and, you know, rinse, ladder, repeat. Like, I, I think they just abuse Seattle um, more than likely uh, the way things go t- uh, tonight. Uh, just... I don't see the 49ers uh, really having much trouble with Seattle. Um, the question is, do we get the uh, points allocation from Brock Purdy early to beat Dak? Because if Dak just has the smash game where he scores 33, 35 points, there's no chance Purdy is on the winner in a three-game slate. If Dak only gets to about 25, 28 points... Then there's a world where Purdy, at his ownership and uh, price tag being 6100 you could fit in enough 49ers pieces with McCaffrey that you can beat Dak lineups. So, again, it depends on a lot. Um, plus, with Purdy, um, you uh, have enough salary savings where you can get to the Cowboys' defense at 3800 Without needing, you know, because that's the other thing with the Cowboys pricing is like, um, you may end up needing uh, to play something goofy like uh, the Packers defense 
and hope for some type of defensive sack, fumble recovery, or get a defensive touchdown, some way, shape, or form, needing a, a defensive touchdown um, to be on a winner other than the Cowboys. And that's the thing. Uh, the salary situation um, definitely comes to the factor if all things being equal, you could have a case where the Cowboys' defense is significantly outscoring the rest of the defenses on this slate, and you need the Cowboys to be in the winner. That's the other route for Purdy to get there, in my opinion. Um, but Kittle smashes uh, regularly against Seattle. He's probably going to be my favorite play at 6K. Um, uh, Debo Samuel, 5,900. Underpriced. He should be closer to 6,500 on three games late. Uh, I would expect Debo to be one of the highest on players on the slate. Um, but sometimes people like just load up on the early games and forget about the late game. So I'm hoping part of that happens. But Brandon Ayuk at 7K, also going to be uh, a value piece as well. You know, to me, the, the passing attack for San Fran they're going to abuse Seattle. And yes, McCaffrey's going to run the ball, but the pass-catching aspect of the 49ers, Seattle just sucks at dealing with this in, normally. And San Fran's the best at it. So to me, the passing attack options are just going to be there consistently uh, in terms of um, in terms of uh, what San Fran's going to be able to do against the Seattle defense. So... To me, it's a comfortable cover. Uh, I think uh, San Fran has a number of fancy pieces that can end up on the optimal. Um, we'll see how many possessions they get uh, if Seattle if Seattle can run the ball at least with Zach Charbonnet uh, because uh, there's uh, there's an injury to uh, Kenneth Walker, so Charbonnet's going to start. Uh, Charbonnet's at 5,300. He's going to be incredibly popular. If Seattle can at least control clock, it'll make it somewhat more manageable. And Charbonnet should have some pass-catching abilities, too. So there's a chance Charbonnet, you, you get some discount savings Charbonnet, you get some pass-catching work. He could be in the optimal, even if he only gets, like, 12 to 14 points. It's possible. But, you know, you need these, those other San Fran pieces to uh, kind of get things going. So... Um, yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward, but, uh, I, I, I am very much interested in, uh, San Fran and we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards the San Fran side of things just because I know how popular the Cowboys are going to be today. It's, and with good reason. Now I'm not saying no, the Cowboys deserve to be very popular, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for myself. Enjoy the turkey, folks. Have a good one. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and all major outlets.